Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Unprotected Sets captures the energy of a live comedy show and brings it directly to your ears. Part stand-up, part interview. You'll get an inside scoop into the tragically funny lives and minds of rising star comics. Real, raw, and funny. It's Unprotected Sets. Yes, Good to be here. Thank you for coming. I was uh, I was outside of uh, like just outside. <laughs> I was just outside, and I was waiting for my Uber. And there was two men engaged in a passionate conversation. And then they noticed me there, and they got quiet. And then one of them said, "Where are you from?" Like super aggressive. And that's like that's that's code for. I want to stereotype you, but I'm not sure where you're from. <laughs> Can you help a brother out? <laughs> That's what that is. And I'm, like, I've been here for 15 years. I'm an American. Like, I know my people. My people are very bad at geography. <laughs> and I used that to my advantage to throw them off. I made up a place that doesn't exist. I said, I'm from Coca-Cola Conco. And the guy looked confused and he said, is that in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> and then his friend laughed at him, tapped him on the shoulders, and he said, no, you idiot, that is in Africa. <laughs> I know my people. <laughs> I took it further, I said, you guys, that's not, you're not right, you should go home and Google Coca-Cola Here's how you spell Coca-Cola <laughs> And then I went home, and then I made a page on the internet. <laughs> For Coco Laconca, I just made a page. There's a link, so in case they look it up, they find this link, they click on it, and it's going to say, Coco Laconca is the world's smallest island located in the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> and the largest exporter of coconuts. <laughs> Official language, Hebrew and Spanish. <laughs> Population 300, also the inspiration for the movie 300. <laughs> and then it says, Coco Laconca is known for its slogan, come for the cocoa, but don't forget to get loco. Lahaina. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. There are times that I go like in, in towns of 500. I do the road and then it would be like people that haven't even seen a black guy. And I was like, oh, you definitely haven't seen a Yemeni dude then, <laughs> you know? And whether you like it or not, you're kind of an ambassador. I'm not trying to like antagonize the crowd or I'm not coming from anger. I'm just trying to make people laugh over something that I went through or observe. I definitely have that unique perspective to share. I'm deeply in love. I'm in love, man. I'm scared, I'm, I'm so in love that I accidentally <laughs> proposed to my girlfriend, which you should plan for sure. <laughs> I can't even afford guacamole on my burrito. Like, I have no business proposing to people. 
But I was caught in this beautiful moment where I knew she was like my, I don't want to use it. It's soulmate. I knew she was my soulmate. Like, I know this was the person for me forever. Here's the moment. It's beautiful, but it's kind of gross. <laughs> I had a mint in my mouth. And for some reason, I had the urge to spit that mint onto her mouth. I don't know why, but it was the urge. And I'm that comfortable with her that I asked her, I said, hey, open your mouth. And she did it right away, which is the level of trust you need in a marriage. And I spat that mint. And I missed, and it landed on her face. And it was stuck. And then she picked it up. This was the moment. She picked it up. She gave it to me, and she said, try again, sweetie. And this is it. That's love at its best. Like, if you just, you know, look past the weird thing, it's beautiful. She accepted me for who I am, and then she encouraged me to go further, and we tried five more times. <laughs> and then we made it, because we're not quitters. And then we high-fived. And then I was like, babe, you want to get married? And she was like, no. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm happy to be in like in a healthy relationship. Uh, you know, it used to be really tough for me to, to talk to the opposite sex. I was born in Yemen. I grew up in a very conservative small town where it was not socially acceptable to talk to the opposite sex. It was not socially acceptable to mingle, which is a scale you should <laughs> have, you know, <laughs> right? How else are you gonna, you know, find a person? Like I didn't know and I came here and I had a big crush in school and I didn't know how to talk to her. So I just stared at her for a year. <laughs> and then on the last day of school, I thought to myself, listen, if I get rejected, I got the summer off. I can convince my parents to move me to a different school. It'll be fine. And then I wrote a little poem. I had it memorized, and I walked up to her. She was cleaning her locker. And then I froze, and I said, I like you. Like, I screamed it too loud. <laughs> And she said, what? <laughs> and then I said, I like you. I whispered. <laughs> you shouldn't whisper. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> and then she said, I'm so sorry. I have a boyfriend. <laughs> and I didn't mean to say this, but I said, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then she didn't know what to do, so she opened her locker and then she pointed on a, like a, poster of a man and then she said that's my boyfriend and then I said uh, an Arabic proverb it says but um, it's like it's it's innocent in Arabic but it doesn't translate well I said I said you're gonna regret this it's not <laughs> it doesn't it's like an egomaniac proverb but in America it's, that's a threat it's, I was born in Sana'a, Yemen. I lived there till I was nine. Then I lived in Ethiopia for another four years. And then I came to Minnesota and still live in Minnesota. The first time I discovered stand-up, I was watching Conan O'Brien. I was watching a late night show and then they had a stand-up comedian. And then I looked at him and I was like, whoa, like that's me, not me as a person, but that's like a kindred spirit. Like that's what I feel like. He embodied what I felt like inside. And I was like, I want to do that. It just, it was so beautiful. And then I started writing jokes. I was 14, 15, just like learning English. The first time I went on stage, it felt right. I was like, this is it.
my mom got married a, a year and a half ago. This is her fourth marriage, because it's never late to find your soulmate. <laughs> and I said, congrats, mom. You're the first Muslim woman to have four husbands. <laughs> You're the Rosa Parks of the Middle East. Congrats. <laughs> Uh, my mom uh, is a Muslim, like I said. Uh, I'm not like a good Muslim. I, uh, <laughs> but I pretend to be. Like I believe in God, and that's and everything else is I'm, I'm unsure about. And and I don't say that to her. I just pretend to be a Muslim because I don't want her to worry about me going to hell. I lie to her because I'm a good son. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you know anything about Islam. It's very thorough. It's on a day-to-day -day basis. It's a lot of work. <laughs> like, I have to make sure I don't gain weight during the month of Ramadan. <laughs> like, I can't, like, be in pictures online that involve alcohol or bacon, because that will end the relationship. <laughs> and that's really hard to do when you're wasted. And I, I say this with the utmost respect. I wish my mom was like Catholic or something. Because that looks easier. It looks like an easier thing to do. Because you can do a lot of things, right? Like I can spend all my Saturdays chasing whiskey with bacon. <laughs> and I'll show up at a church on Sundays and there'll be booze there to help my hangover. It's good. <laughs> My mom, she's like my personal hero. She's a beautiful soul, is like positive despite, you know, uh, enduring a lot of uh, obstacles in her life. We moved to America for the same reason anyone moves here, you know, like opportunity, you know. My mom was huge on education. Uh, she wanted us to get the best education. Uh, she wanted us to have fair opportunities. You know, you can go to school in Yemen and graduate as an engineer, but you'll still have, be very like, uh, unlikely to get a job and, and live to your potential. Unfortunately to her, for her, I, uh, I, mean, I, I skipped the school in route and I got into stand-up. Some people uh, like don't know where I'm from, and sometimes they'll say things like, you know, you know, Somali or, or uh, Puerto Rican, you know, and it's close enough or whatever, right? <laughs> and it's, yeah, I get that, I understand. But sometimes they guess real wrong. Like the cops, like I was once arrested because <laughs> the cops thought, thought I was the Mexican guy they were looking for. <laughs> Which is weird because at the time I was now Mexican. It was weird. A couple I never met got into an argument, and the husband was not a cool person. He's a bad person. He uh, attacked his wife. He slapped her in the face. The daughter witnessed this, and then she called the cops on her father. He saw that, and then he took off on his bicycle. <laughs> it's like a villain on welfare. He just took off on his bicycle. And then at that exact moment, I was not on a bicycle. I was just walking on a sidewalk, just being all Mexican, just... <laughs> and then the cops saw me they're like yep that looks brown enough case closed we got him <laughs> and they arrested me they took my ID they took my phone they put me in the back of the car they drove three blocks dropped me off to this very confused looking woman and she's like who the hell is this guy <laughs> and I was like come on don't talk to your husband that way <laughs>
And I looked at the cop. I'm like, dude, you went to school for this. Like, you should be the best at this. Like, you should be good, man. You saw my ID. You read my ID. I have an Arabic name. My name is Ali Sultan, not Alejandro. How do you make that mistake, man? And then the daughter came out. She's like, that's not my dad. That's not my dad. And I was like, nope, I'm your dad now. It's the law. There's going to be some changes around this house. Rule number one, no snitching, huh? <laughs> First time I applied for a job, I was 17. I was going through the questionnaires, and I stumbled upon a question that said, what race or ethnicity are you? It's for affirmative action. And then I tried to find like the option that fits. You know, Arab, Middle Eastern, brown, whatever, right? Could not find the option. <laughs> But I looked again under white, and I noticed under white, in parentheses, it said, including all Middle Easterns. And that was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> like, I had no idea I was white and privileged. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I went ice fishing for the first time. <laughs> and it felt okay, you know. I own way too many flannel shirts, and I think... <laughs> I think us white people, right? We can <laughs> connect on this, right? No? This is a leap of imagination, but I feel like they do that to keep Jesus. <laughs> it's a good theory, right? Like if Jesus, you know, if we're white, Jesus remains white. That's not a bad idea. So I don't know, like a lot of people, I guess people don't know that the, the Lord is a Middle Eastern. <laughs> It's a brown dude, like even like if you read the thing in the scriptures, you know, like, he had a beard, uh, like a robe, sandals. If Jesus comes back, I can't wait to see like the look. <laughs> I can't wait to see the look on like bigoted people who are scared of Muslim. They're gonna look at Jesus, they're gonna be like, why does Jesus look so ISIS-y? I don't <laughs> The guy we love looks like the guy we hate. I don't know how to feel about this. My mom, like, if she's in the crowd, I feel weird about saying, hey, I don't really subscribe to religion the way that you want me to or the, the way you thought I was. And she said, you know, like, as a parent, I want to see my kid succeed. And at first, I was not sure about it. You know, I wasn't familiar with it. And then when I first saw you, I was like, oh, Ali's funny. Like, he got this. At that point, I believe that, you know, this is uh, the right path for you. So she's accepting of it. When I was in uh, 10th grade, uh, I was in ESL class to learn English and stuff because I was just learning English like uh, when I came. Uh, and then the instructor was talking about 9-11. And then at one point she looked at me and she said, they hate us because they're jealous of our freedom. And then she kept staring and that made me really uncomfortable. And when I'm uncomfortable, I laugh. <laughs> that's why I'm up here. Like, like that's how I process things. I just laugh, you know? And I laughed. But I laughed too hard. <laughs> like, it didn't look like it was out of discomfort. It looked like I was plotting against the United States of America. <laughs> she was like, they hate us because they're jealous of our freedom. And I was like, ha ha! And she's like, you see? <laughs> and 
and I lived in the Middle East. I lived in Yemen, and I can tell you this: Yemen is the freest place that I lived in. And freedom is a little bit overrated. Too much of it can be really terrifying. Yemen was free, and I can prove it to you because we didn't have an operating government. <laughs> the government was not involved at all. I've never seen cops. You can do anything you wanted to do, and it was really weird. I once saw a baby, like a seven-year-old, smoking a cigarette just casually, just no stress in the world, just just casual. And I had to think to myself, "Oh my God, why is he driving this bus?" And that's why we come here, not for freedom, for rules and regulations. I. Thank you. Like nobody wants to live in a place where an accountant can just get a bazooka. <laughs> you want to be in a place where jaywalking sometimes has consequences. <laughs> This is gonna divide the crowd, but I think, <laughs> I think not all, but some hardcore Republicans go to war with the Middle East because they're jealous of our freedom. <laughs> Because if you are like a hardcore Republican and you follow, you know, your, your your agenda, the Middle East has the small government that you always wanted. <laughs> I I was uh, I went to a McDonald's at like two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I don't think I was sober. And I went to that McDonald's and I got my food, but I could not leave because the guy ahead of me was asked to pull up with his car and wait for his order. Blocked the drive-through with his car, rolled his window down, and then he said, "No one is leaving until I get my food first." And then he got out of his car and just waited. And then I, I thought I would negotiate with him. I got out of my car and I said, "Hey man, could you move?" He said, "No." We got into a huge argument, and then out of nowhere, things escalated, and then he pulled the gun on me. And usually, like that would scare me. Usually that's a scary situation. If I see a gun, I would be scared. But at the time, I was possessed by the fearless spirit of Jack Daniels. <laughs> I said, "Go ahead and shoot. I'm not scared. I'm from Yemen, son." <laughs> Which is definitely like the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. As soon as that left my mouth, I was like, "No, <laughs> come back." <laughs> Because like I didn't come all the way from Yemen to die at a McDonald's drive-through, right? I was I, I, then I was scared for sure. And then he heard Yemen, and then he said, "You're from Yemen?" He got excited. He said, "You're from Yemen? I am from Palestine, Habibi, my brother." And then he just gave me a hug with a gun on my back. And then he said, "I'm sorry, man. I'm wasted." Uh, <laughs> Hey, my apologies. I'll make it up to you. Why don't you follow me, and we'll go back to my place and hang out. <laughs> and then I was like, "Yeah, that sounds absolutely safe. Let's do it." Fifteen <laughs> minutes later, I'm in his uh, apartment. I'm in his <laughs> living room. I'm like, probably 19 at the time. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in his living room, hanging out. And then he said, "Excuse me, bro. I'm gonna go to the bathroom." And then he went to the bathroom, and he took about 20 minutes in the bathroom. And the whole time, I'm just looking at that bag of McDonald's. <laughs> and I'm like, "Man, this would be funny if I just take that and leave." <laughs> That's the same bag he almost killed me for. <laughs> and I did. 
I took it. <laughs> I took the bag and I left a note and I said, I'm actually from Israel, so. <laughs> which, which technically is not stealing because God promised me that bag 3,000 years ago. You guys have been lovely. Thank you so much. Have a good night. I feel really connected with the crowd. You, you feel it, you feel love, you know? Uh, like as soon as I'm done, it's like I've never done drug, like uh, Coke, but I feel, I would assume it's the same thing. <laughs> it feels very euphoric, yeah. It's good. Hello. I'm super happy to have a voice that hasn't been seen before. I aspire to be in a place where other Yemeni people would feel encouraged to do stand-up where it's not just me. I don't think of comedy, oh, this is not gonna work out one day, because I'm gonna keep doing it till I die. There's no options, Don, no, this is it, man. <laughs> don't tell my mom, this is it. <laughs> hey, howdy do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of The Ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.